Welcome to the Recycle Podcast, where we discuss everyday issues from a mental health perspective. We are your hosts, Dr. LaFanya Jones, Dr. Rashonda Strickland, and Dr. Nichelle Wall. Now don't get it twisted. We're not going to be your stereotypical therapists. What we will be is down to earth, informative, a little spicy, and vulnerable. All right, interns, turn up the volume, grab your pen and paper. It's supervision time. As a reminder, this podcast is not meant to take the place of a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to session 10. It keeps calling me. I love that title. (laughs) Okay, interns. Today, you may want to take out your pen and your paper. And this one is, I would say a little bit on the more serious side, particularly because the month of September is substance abuse awareness. And we figured it would be important for us to bring this subject to awareness. And it's particularly my specialty. (laughs) So that's one of the reasons why I, we are going to definitely address it. So what we would like to start with is particularly substance addiction. So when we say substance addiction, it includes alcohol and drugs under that umbrella. Would you all agree? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So let's just kind of discuss the fact that substances is a difficult subject to deal with overall because no one really wants to admit that -hmm. they have an addiction. And and I know we're going to talk about this later, but no one wants to realize that they know someone with a substance addiction, especially when it gets to the point where it's you know, they homeless or it's really bad. I have, they have to go to rehab. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. So the true definition of what an addiction is, it's a complex brain disease. Okay. Mm -hmm. That manifests by compulsivity. And despite the consequences, they continue to go back to it. Mm -hmm. So how I typically try to explain it to my either addicts or family members it's a psychological and physiological reliever and it's also an emotional reliever mm-hmm. just to kind of put it simply yeah agreed okay thank you guys <laughs> <laughs> thank you for our psych 101 lesson <laughs> <laughs> so basically addiction is a disorder of the brain So when you begin to use substances, what happens is your brain is rewired and the more addicts use an addiction, it changes the grooves of the the brain structure, Mm -hmm. which is why it's difficult for them to stop. It is why the cravings are there and it's why they get triggered. So you guys that are thinking cravings, I have cravings too. I have cravings for chocolate. I have cravings, you know, for different things. They are two different things. (laughs) Unless you're addicted. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. So cravings for a substance is not the same as the cravings for chocolate. Mm -hmm. Cravings for substances is something that it's, it's almost like how you have anxiety and when you try to fall asleep and you can't because your thoughts are racing, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how it is for people who use some sort of substances. They, they are always thinking about it. They're always figuring out their plan. As soon as they open their eyes, how can I get it? Who can I trick? Who can I get money from? Who can I manipulate? Who can I, that's, yeah. that's their train of thought. As soon as they open their eyes, you would think somebody would be exhausted. You know, doing that, if all of your time and energy is spent in seeking and obtaining this thing, it is, it is exhausting because by the time that uh, an addict gets to that point, it's no longer about a choice because a Mm -hmm. lot of times people say, well, it's not a disease because, you know, we do consider it to be a disease, but people tend to think that it's not a disease because they're choosing to do it. Mm -hmm. So let me go through that process of that choice. (laughs) 
I'm going to start with when someone comes out of rehab. So when someone comes out of rehab, they have 14, 7, 14, 21, 28 to 30 days of sobriety. That means that they've had group, they've had lectures, they've had individual therapy, family therapy. They had all of this therapy and all of this time. Well, not all of this time, but some time to heal. Mm-hmm. In a controlled environment. In, yes. In a, I was just going to say in a bubble. <laughs> <laughs> so it's easier for them to, to stay sober in that controlled environment. So when they come out, if they don't work a program, and I'll talk about a program in just a second. If they don't work a program, what happens is... They have these thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And it's inevitable. Thoughts are going to happen because yeah. they are addicts. They're going to think about it. However, that's when they still have a choice, but they have to do something at that level of mm-hmm. thoughts. So that means mm-hmm. that they either, they have to go, they not have to, but they should uh, either meditate or pray, whatever their high power is, or read some literature or something. Yeah. So, some type of coping. Some Yes, some type of coping. So they... Start with the thoughts. So if they don't do anything at the level of the thoughts, then it's gonna it's inevitable. It's gonna grow mm-hmm. and it's gonna change into cravings. Mm-hmm. And that the cravings that should be a red flag for them to know that they have to do something more intense. So meaning that they need to talk to their sponsor. Mm-hmm. They may need to go to a meeting. They may need to come to therapy. Gotcha. Because if they don't do anything at the cravings level, what happens is once they get to obsessions level. I'm going to say 90% of 90% of the time it's inevitable. They're going to relapse because that's when they lose their choice. When they have thoughts and cravings, they still have a choice Mm. because they have enough time to Mm -hmm. one, talk themselves. I don't want to say talk themselves out. Like it's just easy to do that, but to do something, a coping skill that will help them to get out of that mindset, but they have to do something at those two levels. If they don't and they get to obsessions, they're going to relapse and that's when they lose their choice. Gotcha. Man, that's tough. (laughs) It is. (laughs) You know, it's, it's interesting. Addiction is so all consuming. Um, I used to work in an inpatient facility and one of the units that I worked on was the, the chemical dependency unit. And when you see individuals come in at their breaking point, it's, it's just so devastating. They don't look anything like themselves. They are angry. Of, of, and anybody would be angry. You lock me up, you know? <laughs> so right, that's understandable. Um, it's just such a long, hard path to get back if they want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not only do you lock them, well, because you don't, because a lot of the places that I've worked is mm-hmm. it, voluntary and it's not a lockdown mm-hmm. unit, so they can leave if they want to. Yeah. But they come in yeah. and their only coping mechanism that they have been using probably for years at this point is taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now they are kind of just exposed. They don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times Mm. they have started using those substances at the age of 12, maybe younger. I was just getting ready to ask, like, in your experience, what has been like some of the youngest, you know, starts for use of substances, whether they were, you know, the quote, what people call gateways um, or even in the harder stuff? I would say for me, I've I've heard. I want to say the youngest may have been 11, but I I get more 12. Gotcha. I've seen uh, a nine. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. I Man. think because it was laying around. Because mm. remember, gotcha. I used to work for CPS. So That's true. Laying around. And then the mom um, was so far in her addiction that she just started smoking with the baby. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That's intense. It is. And so when they come to these, and I'll just keep it on the uh, treatment facilities mm-hmm. or rehabs. So when we when they come to these um, treatment facilities, there are four categories of symptoms that we look for as mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. One of them is impaired control, like they you know mm-hmm. have impaired control. So this is when they they have cravings and the there's a strong urge to use the substance Mm -hmm. and remember earlier when i was saying at this point that they that they had that strong urge Mm -hmm. it's no longer a choice they're now doing it out of necessity 
their their body, their brain structure has now been rewired and they feel like they have to have it. Well, and I would say for some substances, they do. Oh, yeah. You know, for ones like alcohol or um, heroin. You know, oh, I would say all of them. All of them. Well, I'm thinking, die. yeah, some of them are, you, you literally, yeah. without it, you will, yeah. you will die. Yeah. And they feel that way. Because mm-hmm. if you've ever uh, worked at a rehab and seen someone uh, detox off of opiates. It is horrible. It is, it's so sad. Like yeah. you, you almost, like you can almost understand how family members enable them. Yeah. If, cause if you have to you look at that, yes. Mm-hmm. And just wow. imagine me being a therapist or a mental health provider and looking at that and having that empathy, empathy for them. Yeah. And I don't have any attachment to them mm-hmm. and a, yeah. a family member. You, you don't want to see that because it looks like, literally withdrawing from opiates. Look like you have the flu. You have the cold sweats, you have body aches, you have the uh, nasal congestion. You, mm-hmm. It looks like the flu. You know what it reminds me of if if the listeners, if our interns need a visual, if you've seen the movie Ray, when he goes through his detox, that's an accurate uh, depiction of detoxing. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, the hallucinations, what your body goes through, the sweats, the raging, the it's it's, it's bad. intense yes and then these in this in impaired control they've made attempts to try and stop because many times a lot of people go through rehab several times mm-hmm. you know and that's why a lot of people uh believe that rehab and therapy doesn't work but in order for for it to work it's not just about willing it away and wishing it away there's a and I'm, I'll get back to the four categories I haven't got where I was mm-hmm. you have to work a program and so I was telling you all earlier that I would come back to a program so they have what they call in the rooms which is AA or some t- sort of 12-step group mm-hmm. they have what they call the five alive and that's either AM prayer or meditation reading literature going to a meeting Uh, speaking with the sponsor and PM prayer and meditation. So that's what you call a five alive. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in order for them to work a program, they need to be in therapy. They need to have a sponsor. They need to be um, attending meetings. And Mm -hmm. typically when they first get out of rehab, their sponsors, especially if you have an old school sponsor, the sponsors require them to do 90 and 90, which is 90 meetings in 90 days. Mm -hmm. And so in order for them to do that, they have to work a program to be able to at least stay, I want to say stable, but they still have to do something. Yeah. They have to apply those things that they're learning to their lives. Now, mind you, you still have to deal with the reconstruction of reconstruction of the brain too. Yeah, because every time you relapse, if I don't know if y'all have ever paid attention to someone who continues to relapse, mm-hmm. every time they relapse, their cognition decline. Yes, I believe it. <laughs> Be- and that's because they haven't given their brains time to heal because some for a lot of them, again, this impaired control is difficult to do mm-hmm. because the brain has been rewired to believe that you have to have that substance mm-hmm. in your body because technically for opiates, we have opiates, a, a neurotransmitter called opiates in our body. Mm-hmm. That's why when we, you know, hit our funny bone, it doesn't last forever. It, I don't know why they call it a funny bone, but it feels funny. You no, know, <laughs> okay, I guess, but it hurt. <laughs> that's what it does. So it hurt, and so that that's because the neuro, the opiate neurotrans, neurotransmitter, is going to the brain to tell it to stop in that area. So when you put extra opiates in your body, your body thinks it's the opiates that's in our body, so it lets it in. And so now it's acting like the natural opiate that we release. I would say it's the same thing with nicotine Mm because we have natural nicotine receptors in our brain as well. Throwing off everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I think an important part of what you were saying, Dr. Jones, 
with the um, different steps and the programs and things of that nature. And a lot of people who are going through addiction don't realize this is that you are literally setting up your support system and you have to play an active role in that. And unfortunately, um, when you're in addiction, you are all about self. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it's on the selfish end of it instead of it being the healthy end. So then you get out, you don't really know how to do any of that stuff anymore. And so it is very difficult and they feel like um, it's a burden to do all of this. Why should I have to do this? It's it's a lot of that going yes. on. Yes, yeah. that is very true. That is very true. So another category that they have to deal with or that we look at is the social problems that occur Mm. so basically what this is is substances has caused you to have problems in your at your work in your marriage in your friendship or friendships um sibling rivalries you know all it it how is affecting you in those areas of your life this brings to mind for me because this is something that I've had clients say to me before. And I probably at some point early on in my career have said myself um, is like the functional alcoholic or like the functional, you know, or casual user. Mm-hmm. Um, not really realizing like, no, you're still having all of the same damaging effects go on in your daily life. That someone that's, you know, I don't want to say well off, but you know, very deep in uh, to their addiction. I started smiling <laughs> on that when she said functioning uh, <laughs> addiction or addict because anyone who, any of my clients that may listen to this and uh, they are in addiction, they know that that, that functioning addict thing, and it, it, it's probably just a me thing, but it uh, <laughs> it bothers me. Because, and I'm going to tell you're you why it bothers me. Yes, you're not. If you have to wake up in the morning to take a hit or take a drink, that's not functioning because I'm using my air quotes. Normal people don't have to wake up and take a hit or take a drink or mm-hmm. leave, for, leave work uh, for lunch and go get a, a hit or a drink. You know, that's not functioning. You're actually doing the opposite, (laughs) you know, and I know and I hope so. I hope we can have some dialogue. I hope somebody out there disagree (laughs) with me (laughs) so that we can have a dialogue because I did have a dialogue with someone on Facebook before. And this particular person was in uh, in recovery and he was saying that that's what helped him get through because his family uh, didn't know that he was using. And so I told him, I said, you know, to me, that's an excuse that addicts, that's a, a created excuse for addicts to keep doing what they're doing. That's what was kind of what I was thinking. You know, why people use the word functional is because you are still doing all of this, you know, like you were saying, quote, normal people things. Mm-hmm. They're still doing all of the normal people things, still going to work, still hanging out with friends, still essentially being somewhat engaged in a social life. So they on the outside appear to be functioning Mm -hmm. and able to get through life, even though on a more base level, they really are not functioning, but to the outside world, Mm -hmm. they look like they are. It's a justification. It reminds me of the difference between being tipsy and being drunk. It's the same thing. You're just at the beginning stages of drunk. That's Mm -hmm. all it is. Right. And you know, usually one of the things that I ask people who say this functioning addict thing is especially if it's a I I typically use it and I know this is going to sound very sexist I typically use it with men who use whatever substance at home and I'll say so if someone were to break into your home would you be able to protect your family and they always say well I guess not so then how are you functioning yeah that's a question so, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off because I think this is becoming much more prevalent with um, marijuana mm-hmm. and people, you know, it's become much more acceptable socially than it used to be. You know, yep. not that people sm- smoke it any le- more or less than they uh, have, but on a societal level, it's not considered to be as taboo as it used to be. Yeah. And I do hear this a lot a lot in session that well I just need to wind down at the end of the day 
you know, I had a stressful day or, you know, it helps me go to sleep or whatnot. Or I only smoke it at night, you know, when I'm trying to do this or I only do it on the weekends. So I hear a lot of that with marijuana. Mm -hmm. And that question makes a lot of sense because, well, if you're using that as your come down, you're not going to be in a headspace to really um, be alert and have good reaction time and all of those kind of necessary things like that. Yeah, I agree. Another um, category or symptom that we look at is risky use. So substances used in uh, risky settings like trap houses or continued use despite problems. So you know that, you know, your significant other has now found out that you use and has, you know, threatened to either put you out or divorce and, or you've gotten pulled over for DWI. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, are you been written up at your job? Yes. Yes. Or fired. Yes. I agree with both. <laughs> <laughs> CPS called on you. That, that too, <laughs> that one, <laughs> you know, even risky, meaning that, you know, perhaps your uh, significant other works at night and you have little children and they go, you use when they go to sleep. Mm. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it is, I mean, it's the same thing as you were saying. If somebody come in, how are you going to be able to protect them? And y'all, that's not to say that the three of us are against um, using your medication correctly or using approved substances correctly in the United States. <laughs> yes, correct. That's where we are. Correct. Um, we're not saying that, but we're talking about the level that is extreme, which is addiction. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because the, to tie into that, the other, the last, well, not last, but the fourth category is drug, the drug effect. So whether your tolerance has increased. Mm-hmm. Because now, like Dr. Wall said, a lot, and this happens a lot with opiates, because a lot of people technically start opiates because of some sort of pain. Mm-hmm. So what they do is obviously they take the medication for the pain, they see that it's a reliever, and they continue. And mm-hmm. what happens is they in, increase the opiate because the prescribed milligrams are not working anymore Mm -hmm. and so they increase it so now your body has now gotten to a level where it's tolerant of the uh, prescribed milligrams Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well that's because the body's adaptable you know it's all it's always trying to figure out what are you doing and how can i uh get used to that yes our bodies are beautiful things they are machines and we do not properly use them (laughs) Yeah, it's the same as if you're working out. You know, at one point you only could do 10 pounds and then you keep doing 10 pounds and then, you know, one day you say, you know what, let me try 15. And then 15 gets easy. Well, let me try 20 and then so on and so forth. And before you know it, you know, okay, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you up here doing 60 pounds on one arm. No, I mean, I'm definitely not trying to get there, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, your body, just like Dr. Wall said, it is a machine and it is designed for, um efficiency mm-hmm. even if that efficiency is something that's going to tear you apart yes yeah and that's what the body looks for because it's we the thing is we're all i guess kind of conditioned to have more to do more mm-hmm. to increase you know yeah things and and the thing is it's not that's not even on a just a substance level that's on even our Can't career be. yep education never enough that's why we doctors <laughs> okay look well that's not my reason we're not gonna like, go into that though i feel yeah. attacked <laughs> just put us all on front street yes ma'am because i will admit to my to my own vice <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then what are you know for the listeners that may not be fully aware of all of the different types of substances that are out there what have you seen uh dr jones as being the more commonly used um for people that come and seek therapy on an outpatient uh, level okay 
I would say it would be alcohol and opiates. Okay. I would say definitely alcohol. Nowadays, everybody uses uh, marijuana, so I'm not even going to mention that one like that, but I would say alcohol, and um, I've actually seen a lot of people using cocaine. Yeah, Yeah. I can agree with that one, too. Yeah. I think that one tends to fly under the radar Mm -hmm. a lot. It's the party drug. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Well, it's the old school party drug. Let me rephrase that (laughs) because I'm I'm showing my age. No, but I do think it is making a resurgence, though, you know, with Mm -hmm. younger people. Um, It's not, again, it has not reached the level (laughs) of acceptability, if that is a word, Mm -hmm. um, that marijuana has. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I think that's because of our generation and before. Uh But us and behind I think it's much more acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say also, if you are in a more rural area, you're probably going to see more meth. I would agree um, with that. Because you have the ability to make it, which it's typically made in rural areas mm-hmm. or close rural areas outside of uh, big cities or something of that nature. Yeah. Um, what else have y'all seen? Outpatient, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The only other thing I could probably say, um, and this was more so in my hometown of Abilene, was we had a huge influx of black tar heroin. Mm. Okay. That's the serious stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. they had a whole Mm. department for Mm. black tar heroin. It was bad. I would say when, and this may be, you didn't grow up in Texas, but... I would say another thing when we were coming up mm-hmm. was uh, syrup. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. You know, that was a big thing. <laughs> I don't know if it is still a thing now. I think it is because it wasn't, uh, what's the boy name? Uh, with the with the dress that looked like they need Jesus. Um, Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. <laughs> Lil Wayne. <laughs> need to breathe life back into him. <laughs> Lil Wayne. And also Gucci Man. I know we're talking oh. about celebrities, but I know both of them had some issues with yeah. syrup. Mm. And I know Little Wayne's was so bad that he his teeth were falling out. Yeah. And for those that don't know what syrup is, it's um promethazine. Yeah, liquid codeine mm-hmm. and um, Sprite often Ugh. mixed together. Um, <laughs> and some I don't know what the concentrations of these things are, but they're pretty high. Um, and it's basically made into a drink. It, y'all, I, it reminds me of taking a moxicillin as a kid. The pink medicine, it tastes like bubble gum. I couldn't get that down. <laughs> so I'm not going to be able to get nothing uh, else it down. It is nasty. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. I'm, I'm, I think one that, and I don't know if it's still popular, but I don't think it's stuck. Bath salts. Have y'all heard anything else about? Not recently. Was that the one where people were like eating, eating, fa- <laughs> eating faces? Climbing. It was like they. It was like the zombie effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't scary. seen anything recently. Not recently yeah, me neither. Me either. I think that scared people enough to where they said I shouldn't do that. I, thank you. I'm glad. <laughs> Got Superman strength. Like no, that's yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they they mm-hmm. stayed away from that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So then I think so. It sounds like we are all pretty much on the same page that the more common ones for people that come to see us in our level of um, care is alcohol and opiates Mm -hmm. for the most part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. But I hear marijuana mentioned pretty much at least several times. (laughs) I do too. I mean like, but like Dr. Wild was saying, it's kind of normalized now and we're just really waiting on each state to be legal um at this time it's it's more so if it becomes addiction you really see a lot of marijuana addicts you know but they are there oh yeah Mm -hmm. you know if you if you got to smoke all day every day like Mm -hmm. the song say um (laughs) then that's a problem every day (laughs) (laughs) well and you know the thing is with that with me being with this area being my specialty it's hard because i come from the era of marijuana yeah not being Mm normal it being abnormal you know and so it's 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 been difficult for me to transition to it not being you know normal so a lot of times the only time i really kind of 
I guess, try to address it is if they're trying to, if they're needing a diagnosis mm. of like uh, maybe bipolar or something like that. Cause I let them know, look, I can't, I don't know, or even depression because I don't mm-hmm. know if it's the marijuana or if you really do have symptoms. So yeah, I do try true. to get them to stop it because it, for all of you who may not know, marijuana and alcohol are downers. So it, you may feel depressed, but when you mm-hmm. come to a professional, mm-hmm. you are not, ne- well, at least when you come to me, I'm not necessarily going to diagnose you with either of those because I don't know yeah, when I'm trying diagnosed. To f- trying to figure out which it is. Is it because you're taking this substance or is it because of this? Um, I know I have a client who, when she first started seeing me, she was drinking bottles of wine every night. And she was talking about she was depressed. Maybe you're going to have to stop drinking wine. Right. All night. You know, it's a funny thing about alcohol Mm -hmm. is that a lot of people don't think of wine when they, (laughs) when they think of alcoholism. That's right. Because it's supposed to be healthy. Right. That's something new that I've seen that people, they, you know, beer and of course, hard liquor. Everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I just have three glasses of wine at night. And I'm like, well, that's a whole bottle. Ma'am, you're not Italian. Stop it. And then, and then they'll (laughs) say, I have a glass and I'm, how big is the glass? To the brim. Mm. First of all, you're supposed to drink three to four ounces of red wine occasionally. That is what doctors have said. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to be turning up on your Moscato. <laughs> like that's not <laughs> what she's supposed to be doing. And I get it because I am a want, well, I'm a drinker, but I'm not, you have to remember that the more you drink, the more it is going to start to inebriate you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All kind of stuff going to come out. <laughs> yes. No oh, Lord. <laughs> well, and yeah, that. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit later. Just a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, get into it, Doctor Jones. Well, okay. So I wanted to talk about something that. Um, so I I used to have my family when I worked at a facility. I would have my family members to watch this movie called Pleasure Unwoven, and I did find it on YouTube. Just in case you all want to watch it, I did find it on YouTube, but it was choppy. So mm-hmm. you may just want to order the video because it it really is a a really good. Uh, introductory of what substances are doing to your body and Mm -hmm. why it's called a disease. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the movie, he talks about um, a dopamine hypothesis. So dopamine is the pleasure neurotransmitter. I'm just going to not try to get in too deep with that. It's just the pleasure, (laughs) pleasure principle. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So basically what this is saying is that, Regardless of the the drug, whether it's an upper or downer, there is an ability to release the dopamine in the pleasure area of the brain. And the dopamine hypothesis says that if a person has a problem with one substance, they'll have a problem with another substance. So say say for instance, a lot of people used to come into treatment and they want to, you know, stop using cocaine. So they stopped using cocaine, but they wouldn't stop. They didn't want to stop drinking. Well, the only thing, the only thing that does, and I wish I had a, a video in here and a a dry erase board, because I'm, I'm a, I'm a write a visual person, y'all. So I try to write stuff on the boards, but so what happens is we have a natural spike of dopamine when we, you know, get a new car, get a new house, get a new job, you know, get married, you know, things like that. We Mm -hmm. have a natural spike. And that's a normal spike. But when we introduce a substance in our body, we have an unnatural spike that happens that we're not supposed to receive. Mm-hmm. So when you get stop using the, I'll just use cocaine. When you stop using cocaine and you continue to use the alcohol, you're still getting a spike, which is why a lot of people tend to go back to their drug of choice. Mm. which is the cocaine because they never stopped that spike. So they haven't, that's why a lot of old school um, people in recovery, they'll say they're like trying now Traxon, which is a kind of an end abuse to uh, decrease the cravings for alcohol Mm -hmm. or even Suboxone, which is supposed to decrease the cravings for opiates. When they take those things old school, like, Nope, you still not in recovery. Cause they, they mm. believe you supposed to go nothing. St- st- mm-hmm. 
Gotcha. That's interesting. It's funny. That just kind of keyed me in on thinking like, well, what's the difference between an old school, someone in recovery and a new school, someone in recovery. So old school, like, okay, if you've never, if you've never been into a uh, into the rooms, which is the meetings, you should go. You should really go if they have an open uh, meeting because it's so interesting to see the difference in the dynamics. Night and day. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> old school, they don't even want people who are new in recovery to talk in, in the meetings. Like only thing you don't you, have any experience. You don't have no experience. Mm-hmm. Only thing you need to do is introduce yourself. Other than that, sit down and shut up. And that's what they'll tell them. And so I'm not being rude, y'all. I'm not being condescending. That's what they'll tell. Sit down and shut up. You don't know nothing. Hmm. And for everybody who hasn't um, experienced an AA, NA, or SA um, meeting, it's run by the people in the meeting it's not run by the clinician or the person on staff it's typically run by the people that are in recovery yes Mm -hmm. and and if you so I went to I've gone to different ones like I've gone to AA and I've gone well I've gone to AA and NA those are the only two I've Mm kind of gone to and it's even within those they're different gotcha you know AA they are more I guess I I would call them more conservative. NA, they oh. get to the raw. They cussing. They mm. they raw. <laughs> you be clutching your pearls, you know. But they have so many different, you know. While substances have a lot of similarities, but what they what your experience of that substance is is very different mm-hmm. between AA and NA. Yeah, you yeah. know. Uh, of course, you know you can hit rock bottom with both, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but how quickly you gonna hit rock bottom? The way you gonna hit rock bottom, you know, is gonna look different between the two of those. Yeah, yeah. And what you will do to get some of those substances between the two of them is very different as well. Yeah. You know, in my experience on the NA end, there's a lot more risky potentially like promiscuous behavior mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um versus on the aa side yeah okay. yeah i mean even yes it, they can have some crossover but right. still i think i i definitely would would agree with you yeah and i also feel like people who drink and are addicts there's it doesn't always show up as threatening like we were talking about earlier mm-hmm. with na you typically gonna get that rage you typically gonna get some type of erratic behavior yeah mm-hmm. stuff about to pop off and it's not gonna be good um yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you you tend out I, I, I guess i would want to look at the if anybody has ever researched it to see which one you notice quicker like alcohol or drugs hmm. Hmm. I mean I don't if I had to give my armchair expert uh or my <laughs> off the cuff, <laughs> my off the cuff I would think the other substances you probably would notice first you, you Vers- said you would I think so mm-hmm. versus alcohol because it can take alcohol one again it's socially acceptable mm-hmm. so I can use it in so many different yeah. settings and no one is gonna think twice about it that's true Mm-hmm. versus the other ones pretty much are used in private and secret yeah, yeah. The, i want to say almost every other addiction is like that you know it even except marijuana for, except for i would say cigarettes um alcohol and marijuana mm-hmm. are probably mm-hmm. the only and even cigarettes are becoming less socially acceptable yeah that's true um, just kind of given all of the ad marketing yeah. against it but still I mean, but if you smoke a cigarette, no one's going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah. Right. You're smoking a cigarette, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so I would think that the other ones and because they're the damage, the damaging effects of them are so quick. Like if you're doing, you know, methamphetamines, I mean, your body's going to start breaking down very quickly. You know, the sores and the teeth and you know, because then comes this lack of hygiene, Ooh, which is paranoia, going, right? Which is going to, you know, intensify 
whatever was already going on Mm -hmm. because of the substance yeah yeah i i agree so that's again that's just my off the cuff you may have some truth on that you know i just i was just wondering that well i've always wondered that like dr wall said we're all nerds so you know we have (laughs) random thoughts (laughs) so true so to elaborate a a little bit more on the dopamine uh, neurotransmitter Mm -hmm. thing so like i said the dopamine neurons they send reward processing up to the frontal cortex okay and that the frontal cortex is the executive function, functioning, the judgment, you know, that area. So when the so when the dopamine is sent to the frontal cortex, what happens is the frontal cortex then sends another message down, which is glutamate to um, to the midbrain to re- to release the glutamate. And it and say and the dopamine says this is important. Okay. The glutamate says, okay, I'll remember. So then the dopamine says, I really want this. And then the glutamate says, okay, go get it. And that's how the relapse keeps going. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we studied it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> makes sense to me. Brain says, I want it. Yep. One part of the brain says, I want it. Other part of the brain says, gotcha. And then when that part of the brain says, hey, remember that thing I told you about yes. I want? It says, hey, yeah, okay, go ahead. I give you permission to go seek mm-hmm. that thing. Exactly. And back that and is forth. A, mm-hmm, back and forth. And that is exactly why it's difficult for them, for people t- to stop using because every time they relapse, it's a memory that's held. Like, yeah. hey, you remember when you felt like that the last time? You, this is that's what you did right there. You taught me to remember. Mm-hmm. It's literal muscle memory. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. your brain is a muscle. Mm-hmm. And every time, I know we talked about the grooves changing. Every time those grooves change, you wipe that pleasure principle out. So when they be, when they get sober, I think Dr. Uh, Wall was saying this earlier, when they get sober, they don't know what pleasure feels like anymore. They don't know what peace feels like anymore. Mm-hmm. So you may take them to a, I don't know, uh, six flags or something. And everybody is having fun except for them. They don't understand why you're having fun. Like y'all just riding on the roller coaster. Mm. Yeah. And so then they come to me and I have to teach them how to feel again. But in my teaching them how to feel again, I have to be cautious because mm-hmm. that's why they use in the first place. Because yep. that's exactly what I was thinking that that lack of pleasure would drive them to go back and use again. Because if you, it, I'm sorry, Dr. Wall, were you going to say that? Oh, okay. Because if you, when you see them, they'll say the reason why I relapse is because I'm bored. They don't know the difference between boredom and peace mm-hmm. because they're so used to their lives being chaotic yeah. and on the hustle and bustle of trying to get the drug, trying to hide it, trying to figure out who, you know, to manipulate. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All those things we talked about yeah. earlier. It mm-hmm. goes back to what we were saying on a, a different session about, being disconnected from their emotions. Yep. Um, as a culture, a whole, we are disconnected from our emotions. And then you add addiction into that. Oh, I'll hell about to break loose. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the one of the very reasons addicts continue to use because one, they have the guilt of the damage that they've already done. And they, I mean, you hold on to guilt anyway, regardless of whether or not you're an addict or not, you hold on to to that guilt. And so for addicts, because they have that restructuring of their brain, you never see the thing is when I see teenagers and they, you know, are stressed out and, you know, dealing with heavy things, I try to talk them out of using any type of uh, any type of addictive type of things, whether it's caffeine, whether it's um you know, drinking Coca-Cola, smoking cigarettes. Yes, because you never know what gene you have because gene can be one of the reasons why you are addicted because, because when you have a certain type of gene structure and you have the environment to go along with it, that's Mm -hmm. a recipe for addiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can attest to that in my own family system. Um, 
the difference between me and other family, some other family uh, members. Like I don't have an addictive personality. I don't have the addictive genes in my body. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I could be in the middle of a whole pile of cocaine and I'm be like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. Like that's just me. Because you have that yeah. resilient brain. I do. Mm-hmm. And um, I have other people in my family and I don't want to mention who it is because I don't want them to feel, you know, feel any type of way where it's been a struggle since day one. I think we all have somebody in our family, yeah. Yeah. if not multiple people, mm-hmm. either out in the open or in secret yeah. that are struggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, when you talk about that gene thing, you know, I think that's so important because I've said this to the, to the ladies before is I'm not sensitive to caffeine, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? So there's some gene, some mutation in my genes that does not make me sensitive to caffeine. You know, mm-hmm. I can drink a, a, a soda and literally go lay down and it will do nothing. <laughs> and see, I'm the very opposite and see, I, I know I have a gene, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, for addiction. So it's, I, you know they know mm-hmm. I don't drink and if I do drink it's very social <laughs> I usually finish it for her yes <laughs> and we make sure she gets home to her man yes yes <laughs> you, sober driving guys you yes know, DD and all that mm-hmm. exactly be out trying to get me in the comments <laughs> <laughs> yes so if if I'm going through something like I'm going through something heavy or whatever I know that's not the time for me to drink oh no because that with me having a a gene or at least I assume I have a gene let me say that because I assume I have the gene and if I'm going through something heavy excuse me if I'm going through something heavy that's a recipe right there and I'm like nope I'm not even getting ready to try that yeah it's it's just like the emotional eating Mm -hmm. I was was literally just thinking that like if you feel like if you have a stressed out day and then you go and get I'm just going to say a chicken spot and take chicken express and you get you like the four piece with the autumn parma with the cherry pie. <laughs> Why are you na- like, I'm hungry now. <laughs> Cause I was like, see mm, chicken. See, Ooh, they know this. <laughs> they know this cause we're all in a, a fitness group together. And so I posted uh, a few weeks back that I was like, I had a cheat meal and this is what, and that's the exact cheat meal that I had. <laughs> Cause when you started, I was like chicken. I was like, hold on. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's absolutely food has a little bit different because you're, you're thinking of comfort versus um, a high or a downer, but it does the exact same thing in your body. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's about relief. Mm hmm. You know, and some sort of release, which is why you tend to go for foods that are heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to f- eat comfort foods, I don't know too many people out there going, I'm going to get my kale and cucumber uh, and smoothie. <laughs> you know, ain't nobody out here thinking that that's comfort food. The first thing that comes to your mind is rich, decadent, you know, mm-hmm. thick, heavy foods that yeah. carry, you know, that give you that sense of fullness. Ice cream. Yes. yes. Right. And I'm a whole lactose intolerant. Oh, telling you. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I agree. You know yes. that food does have that same kind of feeling, and I think that's. I'm sorry, mm, am I cutting you off? I think that's a good segue for us to talk about non-substance um, addictions, which are called cross. Well, can be called cross addictions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not only does the substances release dopamine, behaviors can do that as mm-hmm. well. Absolutely. So some of the ones that are pretty commonly known would be things like gambling, um, sex addiction. Uh, what else do we have? Food, food, food. on both ends, overeating and, um, if you get to the place of anorexia and um, bulimia, bulimia, you mm-hmm. have both sides of that. That's actually under the addictions. Yes. I and mean, I've heard a new one. Called, uh, the name of it's going to escape me. But there is um, I was watching this video on YouTube about becoming addicted to being healthy. So not necessarily yeah. you're addicted to fatty foods or, you know, you're under eating, but you're addicted to being healthy. It's like the anorexia, but not with the food component. Right. I don't remember what it's called. I can't remember either. what it's called off the top of my head, but that's a new one that I definitely heard about. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So essentially they do the same thing. They release the so- same dopamine yeah. pleasure 
principle. Yeah. <laughs> pleasure principle. That's not what it's called, y'all. It's pleasure. <laughs> you know, another one that I don't think we talk about enough, shopping. Oh, yeah. No. Well, retail therapy is considered to be okay. But it ain't. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you got the money, yeah. it's n- it's about is this healthy? Right. It's not about can I buy it? It's is this healthy? Because when you think of um, a shopping addic- addiction, you normally think of like people being broke, not being able to pay their bills. But there's a whole bunch of rich people with tons of money that have that same addiction. And it's wreaking havoc in their life. It, mm-hmm. it kind of goes... I put shopping addiction and hoarders in the same box. Mm. Okay. Because you need to get and you need to get and you need to get. And store. And store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like why Why you got the same purse in seven colors? That doesn't make sense to me. That, I mean. Mm-hmm. But you know, I definitely understand, but I understand where you're yeah. going yeah. with that though. Yeah. Yeah. I have a. I wasn't saying what you just no, said. No, no, no. Makes, no, that, no, no, just to have said. the purses in. <laughs> 10 different colors that yeah i have someone <laughs> that um i used to go to church with and oh she's a shop aholic and she she's on that level of i'm gonna buy the same shirt but it's gonna be in the seven different colors and then i'm gonna go get some pants and i'm gonna get them in three colors all the same and she mm-hmm. has these purges that she does. She's like, anybody want anything? I'll just purge it and give it to you. Then I'm going to go buy all more stuff. It's, oh, it's no. such an unhealthy cycle. That sounds like a people pleaser, codependent. It, probably of, OCPD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, to... sorry, y'all. Obsessive compulsive personality disorder. <laughs> they like, what in the world? You just throwing out these alphabet Acronyms. suit? <laughs> like, what is that? We be forgetting y'all. We be forgetting that y'all listening sometimes. <laughs> There was one uh, thing that I was talking about with Dr. Jones the other day that's not necessarily, I don't think it's ever really been categorized under the idea of addiction, but I do think it's something that's unique to um, millennials and Gen Z is um, grinding or like hustling. Yeah, like, I agree. You know, you know, you trying to get to the next spot and trying to get to, to this next level, you know, that kind of, you always need to be working and that, you know, if you're not working, then you're being lazy. And if, mm-hmm. you, you know, I think that's a new addiction that's coming around for uh, people. I can I definitely, it, because it's, hmm, I would say that it's more acceptable. So you wouldn't even identify, we wouldn't identify it as a, as an addiction yeah. because it's acceptable to be on your grind. Mm-hmm. And think about people who are on the opposite end of that spectrum, the people that are like, you need to calm yourself down. You need to meditate. They're like, those people are lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, those people are probably a little bit more well-rounded and okay than <laughs> the rest of us. Yeah. Right. right. I agree. Yeah. Well, Go ahead. Well, no, cause I was just thinking, I'm definitely not gonna put myself in that category, but I feel like I'm about to, <laughs> um, you know, just, the the idea of that you want more and you want better for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and just thinking about kind of what we're doing, you know, we all work in a bustling private practice. We're doing a podcast, you know, at some point we're, we have a conference, we have a conference that we're, you know, attempting to get back off the ground and just, you know, what does that do? Cause it's not going to break you down in the same way like a substance would, mm-hmm. but it has the potential to break you down. Well, I think, I, yeah, you would have to have a balance, but I would, I can see it becoming an issue if it's a compulsive type of thing. Like you, mm-hmm. you're constantly on your phone or on your laptop or on your, you know, iPad, whatever electronic device you have always trying to find, okay, so how can I increase my social media presence or how can I, you know what I mean? Now, and mm-hmm. granted, I understand that we have to get an understanding of how to do that. Yeah. But if it's a constant, you know, betterment of, yeah, like you're not sleeping and yeah, right. that yeah. kind of stuff. Gotcha. And I, I would say that it will probably increase the anxiety. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think the difference is there's accountability in our group. Mm-hmm. Speaking about us specifically, um, we'll check each other and don't have no problem. And I want one of y'all to be mad. I really don't <laughs> care. 
You know what I mean? Because yeah. at the yeah. end of the day, if you're doing life with people, you love them. Right. You don't want um, them falling apart. Yeah. You know? And I, I expect the same thing back. Y'all have told me several times over this last year, if you don't get somewhere and sit down, why are you at the office? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. Just one other one that I was thinking about was um, being like addicted to love or that's a new one that's been going around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like being addicted to I want or I don't even know if it's a fear of being alone, but the need to be needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a that is a big one. It's a bunch of love addicts. I know it's not it hasn't made a huge rise mm-hmm. in um the public sector <laughs> of the world. But mm-hmm. if you're in the psychology world, you've probably been hearing some little stirrings about love addiction. It's kind of in the same, not exactly, but the same category as sex addiction. It It's, it's those endorphins coming out. It's yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's what you have to look, look out for that adrenaline rush, because you can be addicted to anything. You can be addicted to skydiving. Because it gives you an adrenaline adrenaline junkies. Yes. <laughs> Man, again, our brains are wired for things that it likes and efficiently doing those things. Yeah. yeah. So if I can find a way, any way that I can, like you said, skydiving, or if that's, you know, oh, I'm addicted to the, the chase of a new relationship or... <laughs> you should have saw Dr. Wall's face. <laughs> Y'all, the introvert came out. I'm sorry. I was like, no. You want to get to know me? Why? <laughs> you know, or if you're addicted, of course, like we've already talked about, if you're addicted to substances or, you know, if it's work or if it's gambling or if it is food, you know, they all, it's all about the high at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you have a hard time um, stopping your chemical dependency or chemical addiction, you're also going to have a hard time stopping the behavior, behavioral addiction, which then is going to be difficult for you to stay sober. Absolutely. Y'all know what we forgot? What? And we literally just talked about this. Social media. Oh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because it's so new. Well, not so new because I would say... Within well, the last I 10 learned, years. I yeah. was like, it came out when we were in college. Heavy, like tough, like what we have now. Not like MySpace and Black Planet. We're not talking about <laughs> that. Girl, Black Planet. <laughs> we're Black talking about Planet. like the ones Ooh. that are still in existence. Girl, I ain't heard Black Planet in a long time. <laughs> I heard Solange bought it and she's trying to bring it back. Girl, okay. don't let me find my uh, page that I don't remember the name. I know. Too. I'm like, geez, I, oh, that would be scary. <laughs> Y'all don't go for look that, that up, please. Don't up go like, <laughs> what was on my black planet? Yeah. You know, this is before the account. days of like <laughs> censoring yourself so that you don't say stuff that's inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, that's that's when life was good. You could say what you wanted to say and didn't hmm. care. Okay. Ooh, man. man. Don't but, scare me like that, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all, social media addiction is real. And it's because a bunch of marketers got together and set up these social media platforms if the newest one tiktok it's just like these little things y'all i i got a tiktok don't follow me because ain't nothing on there um <laughs> but i got a tiktok and i looked up and it was five hours later and i said oh no you got to get off my phone because that's not even in my personality to just get lost in a social media Girl, i had to do platform. the same thing i deleted it off my phone it'd be so fun though they'd be like and they I, just I, continue I, to scroll like the videos just come up. Like it's not like you go searching for no. one. It's like you watch one and then the next one pops up and then the next one and then the next one. And, you know, it's all based off the stuff that you said you liked. Well, you like dancing and you like, you know, f- comedy and you like food and you like art. So then they just, you know, the algorithms say. And don't get into the fine man section. <sighs> let me stop. Let me, let me come. I back. have none of that. I know we're gonna show a tour after this uh, <laughs> I have podcast. no idea what I mean I know what TikTok is but yeah no yeah but you know you're right Dr. Wall the all of these individuals have gotten together and they've learned what triggers our mind for binging Netflix is the same way mm-hmm. oh yes you know it triggers our brain to just veg out yeah. and just sit 
in one spot and just continue to do this one thing over and over and over and over without you putting much effort into it. We are using significantly less and less of our brains every year. We, we really are not, um, physical beings anymore. We don't use our whole bodies, our whole minds. It reminds me of that uh, movie, Lucy. Is that what it's called? Oh, the one where they, uh, she had that substance or Limitless was like that as well. I haven't seen Limitless. So he had, speaking of substances, he took a pill. <laughs> Red or blue. No, I'm playing. Right. He took, he took a pill. And even though the concept that we use 10% of our brain is actually false, but based off the narrative of that movie, mm-hmm. he took this pill and accessed a hundred percent of his brain. Okay. So that is, that's exactly like Lucy. Lucy yes. was essentially i think kidnapped or something like that and they injected her not injected her she became a mule and um with this new substance Mm -hmm. and the the package burst because they beat her yeah and she turned into this cold-blooded woman and um eventually she was able to like make her whole self disappear and she was just in the world could become any and everything that she wanted to be Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's drugs do not do that no, no. <laughs> so no. please don't. You might think, and then you, you have some like, problems. Just like people that be on those hallucinogens, you know that psychedelic, funkadelic. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. I had. A, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not gonna put his business out there, but I know somebody that accidentally had a hallucinogen. <laughs> Ooh, accidentally, and was seeing like pink elephants in the street. Boy. and was every time to climb on the elephant no <laughs> he was scared but every time i think about hallucinogens it's like pink elephants pop up in my head and i just i die laughing so i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah i yeah i have a friend that uh well like acquaintance but she took a hallucinogen boy the story she told she had a bad trip though mm. and the story she told me i was like oh that's enough for me right there all this stuff she said she was seeing the pores on her face like the pores on her face were talking to her i said girl that's a nightmare i said that's enough for me i know i don't ever want to get involved in anything that has anything to do with what you just said right no, i would i would not be yes. okay y'all y'all know i got like texture issues like eating things and like seeing tech weird textures y'all i'm, I'm weird <laughs> but that would freak me out y'all would have to come get me Girl, I freak out seeing mushrooms grow. I was just getting ready to put your pieces out there. (laughs) What is wrong? So I know taking a hallucinogen would not be good for me. Y'all have to be around her when she thinks it's a group of mushrooms together. But I can eat mushrooms all day long. But if they growing out of the ground, I don't. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. See, the same way you feel about that is the same way I feel about like horny toad skin, like with all those 7,000 bumps. Y'all, I know we're weird. We digress. It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's gross. Well, we feel like that might be a good place to end. Go ahead. (laughs) How about y'all digest on them mushrooms? (laughs) (laughs) But y'all, if y'all, you finished? Mm -mm. If um, y'all do have questions and concerns, please do reach out because we just wanted to make this uh, first session in September be general and just give you good information about addiction and how it is a disease and kind of just lay the foundation for the rest of the month. So if you do know a family or someone that needs help with addiction or you are the one that needs help with addiction, there are several rehabilitation um, facilities that you can go to. Uh, You have the Right Step, you have Mesa Springs, you have Carrollton Springs. Those are just three of the ones that we typically refer to mm-hmm. but there are several in the dfw in, area yes in the dfw area you you have la hacienda la hacienda but it's in san antonio if you want to get away you can go there as where you have um interhealth is that the name of it mm-hmm. interhealth you have them as well so you can you know call any of those facilities to receive the help and if you need to have a, re- a referral mm-hmm. or a resource, you can also give Balance Speaking a call and we can give you the referral over the phone if we need to. 
And if you need our phone number for that, because we want to make sure in this situation that we give that, it's 214-396-6503, because we want to make sure that y'all do have some type of outlet to be able to get that information. You can also reach out to us on our Facebook page uh, for Balanced Beacon as well. Uh, you can find us at Balanced Beacon, um, as well as our Instagram, if you prefer to reach out to us that way. And be mindful if you do reach uh, reach out to us on one of those social medias, DM us. Don't put it in the because I, I'm sure you don't want anyone to know your business. Mm-hmm. So just DM us so that we can respond to you that way. So, okay, interns, process your notes. Be sure to catch us next session and find us on all major platforms at The Recycled Podcast. If you're a new intern, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Thanks for listening. And remember, we are shifting and reshaping our psyche through healing conversations and connections, one discussion at a time.